Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, David Wheaton on participating in professional athletics as a Christian. I wouldn't want 10 major titles if, if uh, in, in tennis if I, I didn't know Christ as Savior and Lord. It's not worth it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? What, will, what, what can a man give in exchange for his soul? And the answer is nothing. David Wheaton, next. David Wheaton's professional tennis career began in the late 80s and lasted about 13 years. He defeated such highly ranked players as Andre Agassi, Michael Chang, and Jimmy Connors. As you'll hear David explain, there are some solid reasons for Christians to be involved in pro sports, but at the same time, there are numerous possible pitfalls to be aware of. Today, David is producer and host of the Christian Worldview program and author of two books, My Boy Ben, A Story of Love, Loss, and Grace, and University of Destruction, Your Game Plan for Spiritual Victory on Campus. David, tell us about your upbringing, how you got interested in tennis, and how you came to Christ. So I'm from Minnesota. We grew up on the west side of the Twin Cities in a place called Lake Minnetonka, and I'm the youngest of four kids. Uh, by a long shot, I have two older brothers and an older sister who are significantly older than I am. My next nearest sibling is about nine years older than I was, than I am. And so growing up, uh, we lived just down the street, a block away from two public tennis courts, and uh, lived in Minnesota. And this is the most common question I ever get asked is, how did you ever develop into being a professional tennis player coming from Minnesota? It's kind of <laughs> like the J- J- Jamaican bobsled team question in reverse, right? Yeah. So I, I had, I, I tell people I had two public courts down the street. I had a mother who taught tennis in the summers. I had older siblings who played the game. Uh, the whole family was athletic. We played ice hockey like good Minnesota people in the winter and played tennis in the summer. And so I just started when I was four or five years old and tagged along down at the court with my siblings and uh, took it from there and started playing local tournaments by the time I was eight or nine, the national tournaments and uh, by the time I was partway through uh, high school, uh, sophomore year of high school, halfway through that year, uh, my parents, now with my older siblings out of the home, my, my dad was working as a consulting engineer and was able to work from home for a, a period of time. So we actually relocated for the last two and a half years of my high school time down in Florida at the Nick Bolletary Tennis Academy, which is very well known now as the IMG academies. It's a big multi-sport development place, but this was back before that. It was just a tennis academy at that point. So I'd go to school in the morning and go over to the tennis academy in the afternoon and train with some of the, the best junior players. Andre Agassi was there, Jim Courier, others from that great generation of American players. Really improved a lot there. Um, became the number one player in, in juniors in America, won the U.S. Open junior, went to Stanford for a year. We won the NCAA title, so was doing very well in tennis. Turned professional after my first year of college in, on July 4th, 1988, many years ago now, and um, began a 13-year career on the professional tennis tour and uh, just had an incredible experience, lots of ups, lots of downs. It was a really uh challenging and exciting life 
Um, but I think the, the big picture of it all was, and to get to the second part of your question is how I became a Christian, is that I was raised in a Christian home, made a profession of faith in Christ when I was probably four or five years old in a very Christ-like way. My parents were authentic believers. They lived it out. They, wasn't, they weren't just Sunday Christians mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. They were committed to it. But as I got into my, my teens, even though I made a profession of faith young, um, just the typical things I think that teenagers get caught up in and the temptations of, of the, the world, the flesh, and the devil begin to allure my heart. And as I went off to college, that's why I wrote the book, University of Destruction, both the, the temptations in the dorm room and the worldview in the classroom really got me way far away from that early profession of faith that I made. And as I got on the tour, uh, same started to go really the wrong way in life, uh, wrong thoughts and actions and all different kinds of things. And it wasn't until I actually, I won a, a big tournament on the tour uh, back when I was 22 years old uh, over in Munich, Germany. And I remember after the, the big win, I just you know qualified for the tournament by reaching the semifinals of Wimbledon that year. And here I get to the Grand Slam Cup in Munich, Germany, in the Olympic Hall in Germany, and I, I win the whole thing. It was one of the largest prize money events at that time, and I win the tournament, and within about 10 minutes after that big win, I'm holding the trophy on the court, and I happen to look ahead uh, above the heads of the photographers taking pictures into the stands, and all 14,000 people that were there that day were already basically gone hmm. within about 15 minutes after my big win in my career. Everything I had worked toward, and everything I thought would bring me happiness and joy and everything else. And just, whoa, that was over in a hurry. And I, I had the distinct thought that, well, what, what how, how am I going to replicate this going forward? You know, mm-hmm. is the next tournament somewhere going to motivate me when there's not so much fame and fortune and success on the line? And, you know, I, it just showed me that my motivations in life were not right. I wasn't living to glorify God. I was living to, I was reigning on the throne of my life. And secondly, I also knew that that big win was not going to offset the, the deep conflict I was I was feeling inside of myself. And that conflict was, came from the fact that I'd been raised in a Christian home. I knew the right way to go, but I was going the other way. And I knew I would never be pleasing to God, right with Him, as long as I continued to go away from Him. And that led to... A couple of years later, I started to read the Bible for the first time in my life consistently and understood that God had created me to, to be in relationship with Him, to, to worship Him and to serve Him in whatever I did in life. And I really understood my own sinfulness and that I was, I had, I was separated from God and I was going to be under His judgment if I continued. And then the gospel of that God sent His Son, God demonstrated His own love toward me in that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. And um, I mm. responded to Christ's command at that time. When I was 24 years old to repent of my sin and believe in the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ's life and substitutionary death and supernatural resurrection paid the penalty I deserved to pay for my sin and satisf- satisfied God's wrath and justice over my sin. And I committed to believing in Christ as my Savior, but importantly, to follow him as Lord. Mm-hmm. as the master of my life. And when that that happened in my life, my life changed completely. That was 28 years ago. And God has been very faithful to help me keep on the narrow road since then. Not, of course, a perfect life at all, but a whole new creation and um, trying to honor him uh, each and every day. 
So you were 24 at that time. Uh, you, you were a professing Christian uh, for many years, as you said, but you came to that realization of your need for Christ and emptiness without him, 24. So you still played professional tennis for a bit while longer. Many years, yeah. I turned professional when I was 19 and played all the way uh, you know, until I was in my early 30s. And then I actually played beyond that on, on quote-unquote, the senior tour. Yes. You know, kind of part-time summer tournaments, that kind of thing, the mm -hmm. senior doubles events at Wimbledon or U.S. Open, something, things like that, which isn't really official tour play. But yes, I, I could see I was, God save me, in the middle of my tennis career on, professionally. And that was a very stark difference, you know, like I said, beforehand, before I came to Saving Faith in Christ, it was really about, I, I would have told you I'm a Christian and I would have told you it's about glorifying God, but mm -hmm. ultimately in reality, it was about just pursuing the things the world pursues, um, you know, fame and fortune and personal success and so forth. And there's nothing wrong with, of course, you know, becoming famous or earning, earning a living and all the different things. Yeah. But that, that was my, I think my primary objective where afterward, you know, I had a change of heart and a change of mind and started to understand that I really truly needed to, to whatever you do and word or do, you do all to the name of the glory of God, the Father, you know, giving thanks to him. So that, that's what changed for me. And, you know, it was a, my life changed a lot. Well, my guest is David Wheaton, a former professional tennis player, and today he's producer and host of the Christian Worldview program. He's also an author. And you were in the top 10 or 12 at one time in the world. Right. Yeah, my high, my highest rank was number twelve in the world. Uh, back uh, the year I got to the semifinals of Wimbledon and won the Grand Slam Cup, uh, I was up in the upper echelons for a lot of years and um, you know, represented our country in Davis Cup competition and and so forth. So just had a looking back had a very rewarding tennis career. I, th I think I could have done better, to be totally honest. I think I was my maturity level, especially before I was saved. Um, you know, when, when, when you're not, when you're not right with God, it harms the way you live your life. And I, I think uh, looking back, I think I could have uh, done differently and better. Um, but at the same rate, I'm also very thankful that God brought me to himself and convicted me of my sin and, and showed me that I wasn't right with him. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't. I wouldn't want ten major titles if, if uh, in in tennis, if I, I didn't know Christ as Savior and Lord. It's not worth it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? What will what what can a man give in exchange for his soul? And the answer is nothing. And I wasn't mm -hmm. gaining the whole world. No one gains the whole world, and it's not losing your soul. So I I look back. I'm very thankful for what God has done in my life. Well, David, for a believer, uh, obviously it would be a young believer contemplating uh, a life in professional sports. They're maybe at the top of whatever world they might be in, uh, might be a tennis player, might be baseball, might be track or whatever it is. What advice, what are the pros and cons of involvement and in pro sports? And you kind of touched on this, but and what are some of the right and wrong reasons for pursuing that? Yeah, professional athletics is a is an important world for believers to be a part of. Uh, I think a Christian can be a a person who stands firm and is a light for Christ in whatever occupation, as long as it's a you know not a sinful inherently sinful occupation. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, so, but it's difficult. I, I will say this: there, you know, where there's a lot of money, where there's a lot of fame. Uh, where people are away from home and not part of a local church because you're traveling so much. 
where there's a lot of peer pressure. Um, those are very difficult environments to to live out your your Christian faith in a way that honors God. There's lots of things that can trip you up, both externally with temptations uh, from the outside um, that work on us on the inside, but also inside, just the the tendency toward uh, being consumed with yourself. Actually, you know, as a professional athlete, you need to be really focused on how you can develop, and a lot of times it becomes all about you in life. And we just know that that's not what our lives are about to be all about us. It's to be all about Christ. Mm -hmm. And so that that's a difficult one. Um, and, and the tendency towards pride and, and, and different things. Our, our society puts so much importance upon sports in general, which is just, I mean, really, what is it? It's just entertainment and mm -hmm. recreation is all it is. Yep. Um, it's, it's certainly not more important than, you know, other professions in life of, you know, medical industry, people saving lives or engineers designing buildings and bridges. And our society has decided that that's really important. So advertisers recognize that. And they know a lot of people are watching, so they put a lot of money into it. And there's just a lot of money and different things going on. So to summarize, I would say it's a very, for a, for a young athlete listening today, or maybe a professional athlete listening today, do it, but do it for God's glory. Stand firm in him like Daniel before he went to Babylon, he uh, determined in his heart that he would not even eat the king's food, right? Mm -hmm. You need to be have strong convictions. You need to be in the word regularly. So your mind is, you're being renewed by the transforming of your, your mind, Romans chapter 12. Um, you, you need to have good Christian fellowship. Uh, you need to have a support structure, whether on the road, family, um, and be fellowshipping with other true believers too, because otherwise, if, if you're out there kind of on your own, it's it's going to be a very difficult road. David, I'm wondering, and you may have uh, touched on this a bit, but at, at what point or can pro sports, a pro sports career, can it become an idol of sorts in the lives of those who are pursuing it or who even are involved yeah. in it? Yeah, exactly. That, that's really, I think, what I was alluding to in my last answer is that your sport can become an idol, can become your God, uh, that this defines you. This is your identity. Uh, being successful at it feeds your pride, uh, your sense of success and accomplishment and purpose in life. Um, that, that's not the purpose of the Christian life, is to put ourselves at the center. It's to put Christ at the center. You know, Whatever you do, do your work heartily, not for yourself, but for the Lord, for it is the Lord Christ whom you serve. And that, that just needs to be so forefront uh, in your mind as in, in any field, anything you do in life, but particularly in professional sports or even collegiate sports or even just junior sports. Mm -hmm. you know, parents just get so over the top and kids and their whole family revolves around, you know, activities and sports and just, you know, to the detriment of their family. So need to keep first things first. Jesus Christ needs to be first where he deserves to be in, in your family reading the word uh, as a family um, those kind of things need to be and it's hard to do it's easy to say it right here but it, it's hard to do when you're in the midst of it and again i'm just thankful that you know my parents really did the best they could to ground us um, and you know deal with a a very challenging and tempting environment david i'm wondering if you could comment on the challenge of being competitive that is needing to have the so-called killer instinct in sports to win. If you could talk about the challenges of that for a believer. I think the Christian should be the most competitive 
the hardest working, um, the most fierce competitor of all. Uh, not, not, you know, you go soft when you become a Christian, just the opposite, because you are doing it for someone way above and beyond yourself. You can only satisfy yourself by so many wins and that kind of thing. And so much earn and so forth. Mm -hmm. But when you're playing for the King of King and the Lord of Lords to give him praise, to make him known, to be a testimony for him, that really should impel you as as David, King David, when before he was king, walked up to, to Goliath and he had a resolve uh, in his heart that he would not allow uh, Goliath to criticize, I guess is the word, uh, the the God of Israel. And, and he had a great competitiveness uh, about him that he, he, he was fighting for God's name. And when you're doing that, when you're competing for God's name, uh, I just think the Christian athlete should be a warrior. I love the movie Chariots of Fire. Uh, you know, Eric Little in that movie, the the Scottish runner, mm-hmm. he had that. He was a, a strong Christian, had strong Christian character. He played according to the rules. But when he got on that field or that track, he not only did he never give up, but he was a fierce, fierce competitor for Christ. David, obviously, uh, Eric Little, uh, as depicted in Chariots of Fire, had that platform because of his running uh, prowess, the platform to uh, share Christ, to share the gospel, to share the, the difference that he, that Jesus made in his life. Did you find uh, that the tennis provided that kind of platform for you? Definitely. Um, not necessarily with a lot of the other players. I, th- I, I don't know what they were thinking about me when I came to Saving Faith when I was 24, but you can sense as a believer when people treat you differently, you don't get invited to the, go to the same uh, you know, parties and so forth, which is fine. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> That's not a bad thing. It's, it's, I think it's actually good to create awareness that you're a believer. It'll reduce a little bit the amount of temptation you 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 may face when people know where you stand in advance. Um, but there are opportunities through interviews like we're doing today. Uh, back then I was doing these kinds of things, um, interactions with players and just people in various cities and I mean, it's really just, it's, you know, a professional athlete is no different than a professional electrician or a professional doctor or something like that. You, 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 you have a sphere of influence Mm -hmm. and, and you, your, your, your mission is to be an ambassador for Christ and to, to pursue the great commission, you know, to, to go and, and declare who Christ is and how he can be made known. So it's, it's, it's a little different, obviously, because it's such a, uh, public career, but you still are walking in circles where you're meeting people who who need to understand who God is, who they are in God's eyes, and then how they can be made right with God through Christ. And your career highlights, I think you may have touched on it a little bit at the beginning, but things that uh, non-tennis players might recognize, I mean, obviously there's Wimbledon and the, the U.S. Open. Yeah, those are, I'd say, Playing the four majors, the Australian Open, the French Open, um, Wimbledon, and the U.S. Open, you know, I was I was uh, thankful enough to have done well in those those events, uh, whether in singles or doubles, and those are the are the major events on tour. And so I, I thankfully had some good success there. Never won one, but um, you know, reached some of the later rounds and either singles or doubles in them. So those are really exciting. To, the sense of being able to contend and be one of a few players, you know, who gets into the latter rounds of those tournaments is pretty exciting. Um, 
And that those are some of the best memories. Reaching the semifinals of Wimbledon was one of them. Winning the Grand Slam Cup, which was sort of the fifth major of that year, you could say. They're mm-hmm. The fifth biggest tournament of that year. Uh, that was a year-ending event where they took the top 16 finishers from that year's four Grand Slams, and you play a year-ending event. Um, the U.S. Open you know, reached the quarterfinals one time. Uh, played, I think, I can't remember who I lost to. It might have been John McEnroe in the quarterfinals. Um, so just, just playing against some of the top players in the world and in, in some of the biggest events, that was uh, a very memorable aspect of the career, but also just actually just traveling too and seeing the various parts of the world, uh, going to Europe. I mean, tennis goes all over the world. Um, we used to go to Europe and the far East and Australia, and of course, all over America. I don't like to travel anymore at all. <laughs> I'm a homebody now. Probably you can figure out why. Uh, but back then, it was it was quite an experience to uh, to see different cultures and people in different places. Mm-hmm. Well, how did you know that it was time to step down? That's always a big uh, a big issue for uh, professional athletes because then they're usually they're still quite young and they've got a whole another chapter or two of their life ahead. How did you know it was time to step down? And can you talk about the, uh, the uh, adjustments there? Yeah, that, that was interesting because there were a couple of reasons I knew. I just wasn't being as successful and earning as good of a living. I, I wasn't ranked as, as high anymore. And, uh, you know, the younger guys, it's like, a, it's like a treadmill. You know, the, the new guys are coming out at the beginning and the older guys are going off at the end. And it's, yeah. you, you can't, you know, age is unbeatable, right? Uh, no one defeats it. Some people can play longer than others, like a Tom Brady or Roger Federer, but you know most most don't make it that long. So there there was that, uh, and then there were some injuries as well too. I just didn't recover as well after matches, and 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 frankly, after 13 years, I I I, I felt like you know, do I want to continue to try to do this year after year after year when when the earning potential is not the same and when I'm on the road all the time and I'm in my early 30s now and is there something else I should be doing full time? So it was just it was a really a things that were pretty clear to me by the time I reached about 32 years old, and I think very fortunately, and this is again God's favor or grace. Um, on my life is that I came off the tour, had no idea what I was going to do next. Uh, it's very difficult to transition away from a professional sport because what else do you know? I've been doing it since I was four or five years old. I mm-hmm. hadn't finished college. I mean, I can for sure go back and probably do something in tennis, I mean, a coach or uh, do something like that. But I really didn't want to be on a tennis court. It's physically demanding. And I've been running around in the courts for years and trying to figure out what to do and we were, i was home here in minnesota i was with my parents on a, on a trip up to the northern part of the state and we were driving home we were listening to, to to the radio to talk radio and my mom said to me from the front seat i was single at the time she said david have you ever thought about getting involved in christian radio mm. i had never i had never thought about getting involved in christian <laughs> radio but the reason my mom said that was that christian radio was how my grandmother, who was the first believer in the family, was saved. She was, she had grown up and kind of nominally Catholic and so forth, but just my grandfather wasn't really interested in that. But she was listening to Christian radio one day and in her home in 1955 and heard the gospel mm. and believed in Christ. And my mom saw a huge change in her life. And my mom didn't really want any part of it at the beginning, but she kept on encouraging my mom to listen to the radio, Mary Jane, listen to the radio. And finally she did. And she understood the gospel over a period of three days, my mom was saved and my dad was saved. And so when I grew up, 
Bill, my uh, Christian radio, whether in teaching or music, was on constantly in our home. So that's why my mom said that to me uh, when I was 32 years old. And within six weeks of her saying that to me, and this was in the year 2002, hmm. uh, yeah, 2002, I was doing an interview just like I'm doing today. Someone was asking me, uh, I was on a Christian station asking me about what it was like to be a Christian athlete and so forth. And after the interview, a couple of weeks later, the person called me and said they wanted to get involved into a new career. And how would I like to take over their radio program? I didn't mm. even ask. It was a program called Beyond Sports. And I started hosting Beyond Sports back in 2002, 20 years ago. And uh, within a couple of years, it morphed into what the program is today, the Christian Realview, which is a program that focuses on current events and matters of faith from a distinctly biblical perspective. <clears throat> so, so, David, I'm wondering, for those that are involved in some professional sport, whether in your case it was tennis, whatever it might be, there's usually a lot of traveling. There's these other issues, these other uh, challenges that you already talked about. What is key for you in staying spiritually fresh and maintaining a vibrant Christian faith in the midst of professional competition? That's a very important question, and it's really the same thing that keeps anyone fresh uh, in their love for God and His Word and uh, to proclaim the good news to others who, who need to hear the same good news that, that saved me and saved you. Uh, it really is uh, nearness to the Lord. Uh, you you deepen any relationship through time spent with someone and communicating with someone, and, and that's exactly how God designed for us uh, to be close to Him and have affection for Him is uh, spending time with Him in prayer, uh, reading His Word. His Word is His inspired and errant Word. Reading it on a very regular daily basis. Uh, not just to gain information, but to know this God better and what his will is and how we can better serve him. And then obeying him, uh, obeying him what he says in his word and and praying for opportunities to to take what we have learned uh, and, and share it with someone else. Also, being a part of a local body of believers, um, that, that is another way uh, that we, we foster a a affection for God and, and, and a love for him so that we want to obey him. Now, I will say that being in the professional sports world makes some of those things difficult, especially the church aspect difficult. But we all can spend time in the Word on a daily basis. There's so much content in the Internet world of those who are faithful to preach the Word. So you can take, you can take the Word in through he hearing it preached, which is a great way. You can read it yourself. You can be impressed. Prayer also have a kind of church, not really a church, but fellowship. I guess you could at least say, uh, with by finding other believers uh, on the road or on your team or whoever. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest, former professional tennis player David Wheaton. Coming up on tomorrow's program, it's Ronnie Kurtz on why theology should help produce in us the fruit of the spirit, not the works of the flesh. And so I started asking, what would it look like to think about God in a way that would lead to not division, strife, selfish ambition, the works of the flesh, but lead to gentleness and self-control and love and patience and kindness? And those words are often not associated with 
Christian theologians, unfortunately. That's tomorrow at the same time right here on His People. Thanks for listening.